All right, everyone. Welcome to this ninth episode of Dialogue Not Division. We have another great episode for you. In this episode, I'm finally going to get to what I've teased uh, in the past before, is we're going to talk a little bit about immigration. No, we're not going to talk about whether or not there's a current immigration crisis at the border, whether we want to label it that or not. That's been one of the big things going on in the news. I didn't want to talk about that specifically, but I did want to get a little bit into the stats about immigration, as that's a current topic right now. I mentioned this a couple episodes ago that I started looking into it, and it was very interesting. Uh, as I as I tried to dig through some of the stats, and I wanted some more time to go over and look at it, I did spend a little bit more time, but really what I wanted to do is kind of jump right into it and show you what I was seeing and just kind of try to take an objective look at it and go over a little bit of the stats today. In addition to that, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, Meghan Markle coming out as um, of some of her difficulties. Uh, she was on a a show there with Oprah. If you don't know who she is, she's an actress that married uh, that married into British royalty. Uh, they left they left royalty, and uh, they kind of had a conversation with Oprah about several things. And one of those was uh, about suicidal thoughts. And I wanted to just cover my more my opinion on that. We're not going to dig super deep into stats or anything like that. But I did did want to share my opinion just because I've been seeing some kind of nasty things going on. So starting off here, I did want to take a look at the immigration issue. And one of the things that I came, one of the first things I saw when I when I looked over this, and this kind of sums up the topic, is this lovely article here. It says, how to win an argument over immigration. And I wanted to just cover this real quick because I thought this is an excellent example of how not to win an article or win an argument. First off, I wouldn't I wouldn't start it with an argument, maybe a debate or a discussion might be a little bit of a better a better topic for you or a way to frame that. But I wanted to look at this and just show some of the things that this was talking about here. Uh, it goes over kind of some of the main points, and I thought it was quite interesting. So it says here, at first it goes, when, uh, when they say immigrants take American jobs in lower ways, uh, and lower wages just say just say this no one one study here went and sh uh, showed that they don't um, so we'll get into that in just a wee bit but not a whole lot and when they say immigrants bring crime to our country uh, show them that immigrants actually commit fewer crimes on average and then when they say immigrants take advantage of our wealth fair system it says no they actually pay more and here it shows one uh, one source here and it says that uh, that uh, they pay as much as 90 billion in taxes, but receive just as uh, just five billion in benefits. We'll get into that as well. And then when they came here illegally, it's unfair for them to jump the line uh, over potential immigrants. They actually don't really address this point. Otherwise, they just say, well, the people that are coming here illegally, most of them are desperate. And we'll get into that a little bit because that's actually a fair um, it's a fair point. And then when it says, well, the, the child separation or the kids in cages, it it's not uh, Trump didn't start that. It's been in practice for years. And basically their defense for that one is, well, yeah, it was started under Obama, but he didn't do it as bad as Trump. Trump did it worse, um, which this argument doesn't age very well currently because there's quite a few and this is going on uh, quite a lot under Biden currently. In fact, I believe it's record numbers currently. So I wanted to just show this real quick as we talked about immigration. Uh, this is a perfect 
example of how I think a lot of times people in their argument, they try to reframe the argument and not actually address it. Another thing I saw that kind of prompted me to create this video in today's episode uh, was a I believe it was a PragerU video, one of those videos where one of their people goes to college campuses and asks questions of people. And they asked them if they thought a wall was racist, and the answer was yes. Uh, and they asked them a few things about the wall and different things like that. And basically, the and then the person ended up saying, "Well, I believe in the wall, but I want lots of immigration. I just want to make sure that we keep um, we keep people that are evil out." Uh, do you still think I'm racist? And the person's like, "Well, when you frame it like this, you're yeah, you're racist because there's a wall." <laughs> it was kind of funny. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that that's uh, indicative of most people or how they think, but I thought it was uh, it was interesting the way it was framed and just how this negative stereotype of the wall and how bad it's racist and immigrants and how anti-immigrant uh, a lot of conservatives are, at least, or how they've been painted. And that's what I wanted to, the first thing I wanted to cover is the reframing of the argument uh, for the most part. Uh, what happens is, of course, the big thing that's going on lately with uh, Trump or anything before, there was the build the wall. There was a lot of talk about immigration reform or more on that side, tightening down on immigration, how immigrants, um, how illegal immigrants cost the country a lot of money, um, how sometimes they brought in crime, things like that. Uh, and what really what I'm seeing as I go through is there is a lot of look just like in that article where they say, well, when they say immigrants do this, tell them that no, immigrants don't. Or when they say illegal or undocumented immigrants, say, say no, immigrants don't. There's a lot of this reframing of the discussion to instead of being about immigration and illegal immigration, it was only about immigration. And I, I want to distinguish that here first. There's there's obviously there's immigration and then there's illegal immigrants or undocumented immigrants, if you want to use that terminology. Uh, it It is an illegal act to cross the border um, illegally. Um, so generally speaking, I use the term illegal immigrants. I recognize that some people consider that um, a little bit more offensive way of putting it. And uh, uh, I, I will just say it it is a crime currently under the law. Um, it's a misdemeanor for the first offense. So I, I will say illegal immigrants quite a lot. And I'm going to ask you to look past that because that is technically how it is under the law. Perhaps you think that should be changed and that's fine. But as we go through this, I wanted to, to distinguish, coming back to that, to distinguish between immigration and illegal immigration. Because what I see a lot is... Um, in this case, one side trying to paint the other as anti-immigration or they're uh, or racist or they don't want immigrants. They think immigrants uh, commit crimes and they, they really try to blur that line that what I see most conservatives make a clear distinction between immigration legally and illegal immigration. So what I want to do is kind of clearly distinguish those two. You saw that a little bit in the article when they were talking about immigrants committing crimes and all of that and no they don't and no they don't use this and all that they they never use the word illegal immigrants especially when you're talking about these stats they say well immigrants don't and of course that for someone with a critical mind you're like are they 
they're saying immigrants don't, but there's two different types. There's legal immigrants and there's illegal. And what we're concerned mostly about, and when I say we, I'm talking about conservatives, is about illegal immigration. So I wanted to take a look at those actual numbers, dig into the, some of those stats, and really kind of set that aside because most, I would say, uh, I haven't actually looked at stats for that. Maybe I should have looked it up. But I would say the vast majority of conservatives that I've talked to are very would say, yes, I welcome immigrants as long as they do so legally. They just need to follow the system. Um, I think that immigration should be widespread. Now, I will say, I think that was, if you're looking at the past president, uh, Trump, um, he was very hard on uh, illegal immigration, but he also did a lot, in my mind, to make it um, to make it harder for actual legal immigrants as well. I think the logic there, if I'm not mistaken, was he wanted to fix the system first and then work on that part of the system. But I wanted to distinguish that because most conservatives say, absolutely, we want legal immigrants. We want people to come here. And we want that. We just want them to do it legally. So let's set aside this... Um, this framing as as uh, they think all immigrants are bad or immigrants are bad for the country. I'm sure there's a subset of people that feel that way. I would I would argue that's not the majority. So with that, let's go ahead and focus uh, directly on uh, illegal immigration. One of the uh, big arguments you often hear the conservative side uh, say is that they cost the American taxpayer a lot of money. Uh, one of the things you'll see cited a lot, I think Trump used the 200 billion figure. I have no idea where he got that from. But you will see one of the larger numbers I found is this one here from uh, FAIR, which is an immigration organization. Definitely, I would call them biased. But they said in 2017, the total cost of uh, illegal immigrant in immigration for the United States at the federal, state, and local levels was approximately $116 billion. Um, what they said there was about uh, is that there was there was some revenue paid in, about $19 billion was paid in uh, from illegal immigrants into taxes and all of that. Um, but what they did is they subtracted that from the overall cost they found of $134.9 billion to come up with that $113 billion number. Uh, as I mentioned here, this this organization is quite clearly has an agenda. I believe they are a nonprofit, but they're they're definitely pushing for stricter immigration um, reform. This is the graphic that they showed here is how they calculated it. So it's about a 45 uh, 45 billion cost there, uh, and then 88 uh, almost 89 billion for state and local costs, and then they put that total national cost at 134. A billion, and then of course they put here the federal and state taxes paid. They had about 19 uh, billion there, and they came up with 116 billion was their estimated negative impact, and that's quite large. And you'll 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 see there hear that number quoted a lot when it comes to uh, when it comes to conservatives arguing uh, for immigration reform or stricter uh, stricter. Uh, policies against illegal immigrants, getting them out of the country, uh, things like that. Uh, I wanted to go ahead and acknowledge, as I said, that that organization definitely has an agenda. Exactly how they did their methodology, all of that is definitely hotly debated. Many people think that's a gross overestimation. Uh, the, the problem you'll see is it's very hard to come up with these numbers. Another one that 
likely is a little closer to what is real. The Heritage Foundation, another another one that's uh, a little bit uh, leaning as well as there. They found that uh, they they thought there were about 3.7 million unlawful immigrant households, and that uh, after that the total uh, fiscal burden was around 54. $0.5 billion per year. There are several other studies I found that put it from anywhere from $2 billion, uh, also $2 billion to like $20 billion that were older studies. Uh, and, what was, uh, and what was interesting with that is uh, when you go and you look, there is actually uh, the now I'm forgetting, I'm blinking out. Oh, the U.S. Government and Accountability uh, Organization. They actually looked at some of these uh, and this is a, this is a this organization, uh, it was basically Congress told them, hey, would you look at some of these? This is a little bit older here. They looked at three of the studies that uh, looked at the overall net effect. And basically, in my mind, they were supposed to come up with a conclusion, but they took the easy way out. And they said the little data available on this population makes it difficult to develop reasonable estimates on a subject so broad in scope. And then they recommended obtaining better data on illegal on the illegal alien population uh, and how that would improve the national net cost estimates. So basically what they did is they took a look at this and they just said, good data is very, very hard to find. Um, and all of these different people have to make assumptions because when you're talking about undocumented, undocumented immigrants, they're undocumented. So one, we don't even know the, um, the total population when it comes to statistics is you normally refer to that as the total population or the overall population. Um, so we don't know how many there are of them. Uh, it's not like all of them are reporting all the income that they're making and not reporting, um, different things like that. Uh, and most, most places, and I think both sides would agree that it's hard to find data on this. Um, so just keep everything I say here with a little bit of grain of salt or take it with a grain of salt, I should say, because it is very hard to find data on, um, on people that aren't documented. Uh, I did find another one, a much lower estimate. This came from the uh, American Civil Liberties uh, Union here, the ACLU. Uh, here it said immigrants pay more than $90 billion in taxes every year and receive $5 billion in welfare. I believe this is what that article was referring to. Uh, without their contributions to the public treasury, the economy would suffer enormous losses, is what they said. Uh, this came from their website, and it was not sourced. Uh, that I could find. So it was stated as fact on the ACLU. They didn't have any kind of link to the study. I couldn't look to see how big it was, when it was done, where it came from, um, what they were taking into account. I, I, whenever I see something like that, I, I'm really skeptical because you didn't even tell me where it came from. Uh, I'm, I'm sure if I did some, did some more digging into, maybe I could find that. But um, even, even so there there that's where that number is coming from is yes they do contribute and you will see that uh, a lot of the studies I found they acknowledge yes they do contribute some in taxes they can uh, contribute some to the economy uh, when they make purchases you you have uh, those those taxes on purchases as well um, so there was some of that um, and then a lot of the arguments I saw said it but they they don't qualify for the welfare systems so they can't take out any of that uh, if you look and you see the GAO uh, study they quite clearly acknowledge that oftentimes uh, undocumented in immigrants are under fake social security numbers and they do actually take care, uh, take advantage of local um, uh, of local state and local programs there so that it is they often while they may not technically qualify they do actually do that 
So there is a cost to the American taxpayer of some kind. Um, best I could tell from the different studies is it's probably a range in two million dollars to all the way up to a uh, hundred and sixteen, or uh, sorry, two billion dollars all the way up to one hundred and sixteen billion. Uh, so there is some cost there. Now, many of you might say that's not a significant cost. Some will say it is a significant cost, um, but there likely is a cost. I will say. Um, there, the right likes to argue that there are benefits and really what I think is those statistics are trying to take into account some of those benefits, maybe not all of them, and really still seeing that there is somewhat of a drain on that. Uh, and if you see that that type of drain on the local state economies may be worth it for that, I can completely understand that. But I did want to go ahead and address that one when they say, no, they're, they're actually a benefit to the economy. There's been quite a lot of research done, and as best as we can tell, or the many that I found, quite a few of them found that when you, you they do actually use resources um, and they do cost the American taxpayer money. There is an argument to be said. Some say they, you know, they come in here and they 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 work and then they pay money and you know they help stimulate the economy that way as well. Perhaps they aren't taking that into account. But um, overall, there is a cost that is something that you may see in the argument, um, and I think it is an it's it's a thing that you should take into consideration. The other big talking point, I would say, mostly for conservatives, is they talk a lot about um, crime and immigration. And you'll see that in that article about how to win. They took the the argument of illegal immigrants cost um, money and they bring crime in there. And then they went to a study that said that – said, uh, said something like this. You'll see this article here. Um, fact check, immigration doesn't bring crime into U.S. Da uh, data, say, is what this article said. Uh, that one was by PBS it, citing some other sources. And you see it over and over again where they talk, when we're talking about illegal immigration, they reframe it as immigration and kind of mix some of those in there. So I tried to dig deeper into those numbers and really look to see what I could find. I did find one here from um, PNAS, a fairly... Um, neutral organization as best as I can tell. And what they did here is they took uh, the Texas data, uh, crime data. And the reason why they took Texas is Texas is one of the very few states that document whether or not um, the individuals that c commit crimes are U.S. citizens or not. And what they found for violent crime was, uh, and I believe this is adjusted, yeah, per 100,000 persons, uh, 213 that were U.S.-born citizens commit violent crime, 185 that were legal immigrants. So you'll notice that's lower. Uh, so legal immigrate immigrants in this case committed uh, lower amounts of crime than U.S.-born citizens. And even lower than that was undocumented immigrants. And that holds true as you move through their chart. Uh, they also talked about property crime. And it's that same thing there where you're seeing that the that – the, uh, that you're seeing that uh, that natural born citizens commit crimes at a higher rate than uh, either both legal and illegal immigration. Same with drug violations. Uh, the only one where they show legal immigrants are committing more uh, was traffic violations was slightly higher. Um, and then second was uh, U.S. born citizens. And then a third, the, the lowest one was undocumented immigrants. So I did find this study. I found it to be uh, fairly good, and it backs up the fact that uh, kind of what some may say is common sense, especially those on one side, is that um, is that undocumented immigrants generally, for com for common sense reasons, I would say, um, 
try to avoid encounters with law enforcement. Um, probably I would, I would, uh, I would guess for fear of being deported or getting into trouble. Uh, so they normally don't commit crime at this, at the rate others do. And so really the stats do bear that out. And I wasn't able to find a lot that, that, uh, showed the other side really, um, when it comes to research, again, it's very hard to get data. The, the reason why Texas was used is because Texas is one of the only ones. And one of the articles there, I think it was that PNAS article, um, uh, PNAS article, uh, it was the same one that said, hey, I wish more states did this because then we could actually see this data and we could address the issue or we can define if there is a problem or if there is not a problem. Um, but with that moving on, one thing to watch out for is you'll often see this figure cited. Um, this is a 2018 uh, justice.gov. So the Justice Department put 64% of all federal arrests in 2018 were of non-US citizens. Um, it's a big old headline from one of their press releases. Uh, you also see it quoted in articles, uh, things like that. Uh, they talk about that 64%. Uh, and what they're trying to say there is it's non-US citizens are the vast majority of the rest, and it's been going up in recent years. And when you dig into the data there, it's quite clear. And I believe even in that article, if you go further down in that report, is it clearly says that 95% of that increase is directly due to um, ramping up enforcement of immigration rules. So a lot of a lot of that uptick or a lot of those arrests are just people that came into the country illegally, not necessarily violent crime and other things like that we're talking about. So if you see a figure like that, I would definitely look into it a little bit more. One of the very common conservative um, people use that figure. And when you look into it, I don't think it quite bears out because the vast majority of those federal arrests are just because they're enforcing that law that exists. Um, and which you can say that's fine, but don't act like that, that proves that they're committing this high rate of crime. Uh, I wanted to bring that up. So watch out for some of those figures like that. So what I am seeing uh, from what from the research I did was uh, there was uh, that they do commit crimes at a lot less rate. So when you hear people talking about illegal immigrants coming over and committing crimes, um, just know that that's not incredibly widespread, that it's bringing that kind of um, a crime over. Um, so moving on, since one of the things that sparked this was the border, I, I do want to say that um, I definitely have some biases here when it comes to borders. Uh, I worked in the military. I worked security for uh, six years. Uh, you know, I was definitely did security around a border or perimeter offense. They talk about, we, we would talk about fences being a legal and physical demarcation of territory. You know, we had fences around the military installations, a lot of that. Um, so uh, when it talks about the wall or something like that, obviously there many, many places have borders. We'll put it that way. Whether or not you believe in open countries or not, or allowing anybody to come in, the, the mere fact of a border in my mind doesn't make anything necessarily racist. It just means that um, you have a right to uh, legally and physically demark your territory from somebody else's. And uh, even the UCLA said, um, you know, we we respect that the country has a right to decide who gets to come in and who doesn't. They just should enforce that in a way that's uh, fair and ethical, is what the UCLA page I found said. Uh, they said, yeah, absolutely, we respect that, that countries have that right. Um, now, if you want to argue for open borders, that's a different story. 
What I will say is when I looked at the borders, um, most of this was not necessarily for the wall, but when it comes to entry points, um, you take a look here. If you're one that's against drugs, not everyone is, you can look here and see it talks about the different years and the um, basically the drugs seized by weight in pounds. We're talking about nearly half a million pounds of marijuana in uh, 2020, um, which of course lots of states are legalizing that. Um, meth, it was over 160. 77,000 pounds in 2020 that were seized. Cocaine, nearly uh, just under uh, 58,000 uh, pounds of cocaine. Fentanyl, which is a very can be very, very dangerous drug, uh, 4,776 pounds. And for heroin, it was about 5,768 pounds. So I think it's fairly common sense that when you have border and border security, it has definitely allowed us to control what types of drugs are coming into the country. Um, and that is a benefit that I would say that many would recognize. As far as that, too, at the borders, uh, there was also quite a lot of arrests of criminals. And when we're talking about criminals here, normally we're talking about ones who've committed crimes either in the United States or in other countries where they were um, but a crime that the U.S. recognizes is an actual crime. Uh, you'll see in 20 uh, in 2020, uh, let's see, there was they for criminal uh, aliens, they encountered 7,000, a little over 7,000, and they also had uh, 7,108, and that was the Office of Field Operations. And then additionally, the U.S. Border Patrol uh, arrested 2,438 criminals, 2,000, and, uh, and then uh, also they encountered 2,054 of them with outstanding warrants. Uh, once or warrants. So you can definitely see here that that's quite a few individuals there that have warrants. There is um, some evidence there that there's having some effect of keeping uh, criminals out of the country. And I think many people could recognize that as a good thing. Even in that video I talked about that was the PragerU one, you know, they were saying, hey, do you want criminals to come in the country? Because people said they wanted open borders. And it's like, well, no, we don't want them in the country. And it's like, okay, so how would you do that? And a lot of people don't have an answer for how they do that without a border. And a border, that is one of the ways that we can do that. In addition to that, for the, those arrests, um, uh, there was uh, 363 gang members that were arrested as part of that. Uh, in the past year, I think that's 2019, there was 796. Uh, and this year, there's already been 124 gang members arrested trying to come through the border. So I think it's quite clear that having some type of border or entry control does provide some kind of benefit. Um, for those that argue for absolute open borders, you can make that argument, but I wouldn't call necessarily having a border racist because I do think that having some type of border entry control point or a way to demark your territory from their territory and control who goes in definitely does protect the interest of, of, uh, of the citizens, uh, making sure that a lot of those drugs aren't coming in, uh, those dangerous drugs. Uh, again, assuming you're one that's against drugs. I know some, some states have tried to decriminalize the, the, the drug arrests, and um, actually there's a decent argument for that, I would say. But anyway, uh, moving on there, there, there is some effect to the border. So I wanted to just try to let people uh, try to reframe that perhaps, and just give a little bit of context behind the immigration. Uh, and just kind of see the fact from fiction there, I guess I should say. Uh, again, my thoughts on this that while they might not really matter a whole lot, I I would really like to, I guess I kind of fall a little bit more on the conservative side. I would love to see 
um, us accept a lot more people, uh, especially these uh, the people that are um, trying to come in escaping terrible uh, situations and conditions. I definitely would like to see us accepting more people uh, when coming in uh, for that. I think immigration is a fantastic thing. I think many conservatives would say uh, legal immigration is a fantastic thing. Uh, obviously, what we, we don't necessarily want is um, lots of people coming in and being a huge burden on the taxpayer. Um, but at the same time, we do want to want America to, to kind of remain the, the place where uh, the, the giant melting pot, where immigrants can come in, where we can mix cultures and learn from each other. Um, so I would like to see a lot more of that. I still am a proponent, I would say, of, of, of a strict control of that and to try to control a lot of that and have the legal immigration take uh, precedence, but also expanding the amnesty as well. That's my personal opinion um, based off of some of the facts I saw. Some of them uh, didn't quite back up what I might have believed before, and I thought that was a great time to take a look at some of the things that I thought and just uh, evaluate that. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you'd like to leave a comment about that, if I missed a big, uh, a big fact or if you felt like I didn't cover something, let me know. And yes, that is what I have for immigration. Another thing that happened that I did want to talk about is um, some Meghan Markle and her husband. Um, as I mentioned before, they went on Oprah and they talked about some things here. You'll see this article header here, uh, Harry... Prince Harry, I believe, and Meghan uh, detail royal struggles from discussion of uh, baby skin tone to suicidal thoughts. Uh, the normally I wouldn't comment on anything at all like this because I don't follow pop culture much and I don't really care about um, British royalty. I don't, I don't care about most things that's not politics. Uh, you know, I'll follow some pop culture, but I don't, I don't get into huge celebrity followings or anything like that. But I was watching um, some shows, and both in the comments and even the way some of the conservative figures address this, I didn't like, so I wanted to kind of speak out against it. Uh, a lot of what I saw was because Meghan Markle is a famous actress, um, married into royalty, um, has a lot of money, became, uh, I believe she became a princess over there because she married Prince Harry. Um, they ended up having some struggles there. They left the royal family. I think they moved to Canada, if I'm not mistaken. Um, again, I don't follow it like quite like I should. But um, because they have a lot of money and a lot of fame and a lot of different things, um, when when they found out Megan's talking about suicidal thoughts, uh, there was just so many mean comments I saw and just comments about, oh, difficult life being a princess, going from a princess, trying to get all this attention and, you know, oh, it must be so hard. And even some of this was coming from um, one of the figures has admitted they've dealt with, like with depression. I imagine he's not terribly poor either. Um, and I just thought it was a terrible thing to, to say or that sentiment of just saying, oh, because they're rich, they're not allowed to um, struggle or to talk about certain struggles they have, including suicidal thoughts. I just wanted to say that depression and suicide is something that's um, very real for a lot of people. And just because you have or they have what 
you think appears to be a fantastic life or they might not have the same worries as you doesn't mean that they can't be affected by that. And uh, it's definitely something that I think a lot of people may need to uh, open their minds up a little bit about and look into. Um, anybody can suffer from depression, although I, the research I did see uh, for specifically for suicide, I believe 70% of suicides were uh, lower and middle class. Um, so it was quite majority of them. They definitely do have more stressors. But just because your life looks fantastic on the outside doesn't mean that you can't be suicidal. And I think to treat somebody that comes out that says that um, poorly shows poor character, in my opinion. Uh, you can't dismiss somebody just because of that. Now, you could say they, they're trying to seek attention because or stir up drama um, for some of the other things if you wanted. Um, but all I wanted to say is just because somebody's life looks amazing doesn't mean it actually is. Oftentimes, depression is... Uh, can't be explained. Um, you get very sad for reasons that you don't know. Uh, one of the shows that kind of really, that really kind of conveys this well, I think, is it's a show I watched, a TV show. It's called A Million, uh, I think it's just A Million Things. And it kind of showed some of the people, um, and it showed one, uh, two friends, one actually committed suicide, and one was uh, tried to commit suicide, and just kind of talks about some of the struggles and things. I, I actually recommend that show uh, quite a bit, but it's actually something that's very serious, and um, I don't think it's great to to take, make light of that to someone who's said that, even if they're in a, what you foresee as a fantastic position. Um, I do know that in that interview, uh, Megan talked a lot about some of the struggles they had with, you know, entering that royal life and all of that stuff. Uh, just because you're rich doesn't mean you don't have struggles. And uh, just because you don't feel like you would feel that way in their situation doesn't mean either you wouldn't or to that there's anything wrong with them. So that's kind of what I wanted to say. I wanted to really speak out about that because I saw a lot of mean comments, mostly on the conservative channels about that, mostly because it's an actress. Um, Hollywood's known to be very, um, very, very liberal, we'll say. And then of course it was uh, a lot of people don't like, um, richer people, I would say. So when it came out like that, I saw like, oh, you know, poor you with your terrible life. And I just wanted to, to talk about that and just to really say that I didn't think that was an acceptable or a great thing um, to, to show. And it didn't doesn't show good character when you're um, dismissing somebody just because of that. I think it's important that if anybody on your life uh, talks or comes out and says something like that, that you should definitely support them uh, through that and listen to them and um, try to understand that it doesn't always have a reason. Depression doesn't always have a reason. Um, so anyway, um, now I didn't want to end on a uh, such a such a down note, but that is the final thought that I wanted to do. Um, again, feel free to send me your comments and uh, and I will talk to you next week.